everybody. Welcome back to Divorce Healthy. I have such an awesome guest with us here today. I cannot wait for us to be able to chat with you today. You're going to be so pumped to hear from Mr. Aaron Dean. He is actually kind of amazing. He is a news anchor and he has the most awesome personality. He just brings so much to the station that he works at that I know him from. And I just love how much energy you have. And we have a lot of energy here at Divorce Healthy. So I'm pumped about that. And Aaron brings a lot of positive energy as well. And one other thing that he has in common with me is that he's also a child of divorce. And he's a great personality in that he can explain it to you and kind of talk to you about it because he's used to talking to people and explaining things and being very relatable. And so I thought that it would be such a great idea. And I've actually have a friend who thought it would be a great idea too for us to get together and have a conversation just because we just have so many, I think, things in common. And I think people, it would be just great to be able to hear a male perspective versus a female perspective. Aaron's a little bit younger than I am. And we all know that these are like generations that people have experienced this, that children have experienced this. And we have a lot of conflict going on in the world, but this is one thing that is it just crosses all lines. Children of this, of parents that have had a divorce, they have similar ways that they treat relationships, ways that they ha- treat themselves and their vision and view of themselves. And so just for people to kind of understand, Aaron and I were talking about it yesterday and I was just saying, you know, I want us to be able to help people. The one thing that of all my speaking engagements is the most touching and will just bring me to tears in just two seconds is when people come up and they say, I really had no idea what the thing was that I felt like was just kind of not clicking right inside of me. And now I've heard you speak and I fully understand. I'm a child of divorce. I didn't know if it affected me. Now I can see. And not that it's like a crutch or, oh, it's horrible. Or, you know, we have horrible parents by any stretch of the imagination. It's not that at all. It's just that we were exposed to a system and now we kind of have similar characteristics. And so, Aaron, tell me about yourself and about your perspectives. I am so excited to hear from you today and to be here with you today. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. A little bit about myself. Well, I, of course, live here in Eastern North Carolina. Moved here, gosh, end of March of last year. I came here specifically to work in news. Yay. Um, my hometown of Roanoke, Virginia. So a VA boy here in North Carolina. Yay. Been a little different. You know, I grew up in the mountains. Mm-hmm. And coming here, there's no mountains. Okay? It's hot. So it's a different kind of hot. It's like a, I always joke with people. I'm just like, you know, this is going to have me, you know, do right and live right. So I don't have to go to hell. (laughs) (laughs) It's so humid. I don't want to go there. Yes. No, because it is. And here in Eastern North Carolina, this is, this podcast is so everywhere, but y'all, it gets hot down here and it's like suffocatingly hot. Like yesterday it was just, I think it's just the humidity. Mm -hmm. But we're glad you're here down from Virginia. Yes. I'm glad to be here. And so uh, tell us about being on the news and all of that. And then We've chatted before about this. So talk to us about what are your experiences around this? How has your life been with this perspective? Yeah, when it comes to divorce, right? Yeah. Yes. Well, my parents, they got married when I was like a baby or whatever. And so they were married for about nine years, I would say, about so. They didn't get divorced until I was in about fourth grade. Okay. So was, yeah, fourth grade. Yeah. I was pretty, pretty young. I would say that, you know, 
surprisingly, it in the moment it really didn't do much. Mm-hmm. Me, I would say I was very one of those resilient yes kids. And you had yeah. friends that's parents were divorced. It wasn't like uncommon yeah, at that I, point. I, I had. I had a support system. Yeah. So it wasn't like, you know, I was the only kid in the neighborhood or the only kid at church or the only, you know, anywhere that was experiencing this. I had, you know, relatives and, you know, whomever that has also gone through this both, you know, peacefully and maybe even really bad. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I had people on both ends of the spectrum there if I needed them. And that's awesome. And so how did your schedule change? Like when your parents were married, was your schedule different before and then after? Was it different? So, yeah, of course, my parents, you know, they lived together. They ended up getting separated twice, I think. And then, of course, once they got divorced, my mom had, you know, primary custody Mm -hmm. of me. My dad had secondary. So I didn't live with him, but we would spend a lot of time together, especially like on Fridays and the weekends. We would go places, go out to eat, do things like that when we could. So I I would say, you know, it wasn't necessarily a thing of like, oh, I got to spend this holiday here. Or I have to, you know, go here for this, this family and this there. It was pretty fluid. That's amazing. So your parents were able to be like, you know, come and go. That makes you feel comfortable. They were able to do that and kind of work together and communicate through that. Yes, we'll say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They still had their, you know, their differences, uh-huh. their, their challenges. I would say, I don't know how deep we're going into it, right? Are we going to go deep already? You can go as deep as you want to go. So they, obviously they tried, you know, they were trying to be friendly, but they had their own scars and their own battles and struggles that they were dealing with. It was a breakup, you know, obviously breakup's not the most fun thing on the planet. Yeah. I would say, you know, of course I've gotten my mother's blessing to talk about this. You know, I would say that it was more of a thing of like, my mom really, there were times Mm -hmm. like there were times where she really needed my late father now, you know, to step up to the plate, mm-hmm. you know, whether it was when they were married and even when they got divorced, you know, there were just expectations that my mom had of the father of her child, you know, yeah, yeah we're divorced, but you still got to come to this. Yes. You know, Aaron's doing this, mm-hmm. you know, please try to make an effort. And it was always that, that tug, you know, she had to like, come on, please, you, you got to do this. Yes. A lot of times, unfortunately, he didn't follow through. So. And that always, and it hurts. And so I had a very similar schedule to you. So I was with my mom and then I saw my dad on the weekends. And did your dad ever get remarried? No, neither parent has gotten remarried. Okay. So they never got remarried. And so, you know, I had to, you know, you have one family and then you have a family for a very short amount of time. And it's very interesting. And I always like felt that desire to see and spend more time with my dad, but it was almost like, You know, one thing that we've found, Aaron, with the court is that when the court makes that designation of this is your primary parent and then this is your secondary parent, for a parent to hear and be told you're no longer important, you're just a secondary person, kind of over there on the side, you know, like you don't really matter all that much. What happened is we have all these generations of people who then like, you know, believed that. And so then they, you know, these fathers started their own life over again or moved on and they were kind of told, you know, you're only supposed to be there on the weekends. And so then their own feeling of what their responsibility was, was really kind of diminished. And then that had an effect on us. So we're sitting there like, dad, what are you doing? What's happening? Why don't you love me? (laughs) Like, why am I not good enough? Do you, have you ever felt that way? Like, that's how I feel. Why was I not good enough? You know, like I knew that my dad 
I, he loved me. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew that he did. I knew that, you know, he was proud of me growing up and things like that. I, as I got older, as I'm older now, and even since he's passed, I've, I've thought a lot about a lot of different experiences that I've had with him and just and things like that. And I would say it's definitely like, you know, like, like you said, like a generational thing. I think, you know, his parents, they didn't get divorced, but how do I put this? Oh, gosh. <laughs> how do I appropriately say without sounding like I'm bashing someone? I don't know if my father had the right, what's the word? Perspective? Pers- right, perspective or necessarily the, the right figure for himself, too. Yes. I think he knew that, you know, he, my dad loved me. Anyone you ask will say that, oh, yeah, he was so proud of, you know, Arthur Dean was so proud of Aaron. Da, 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 you know, his son's going to be on TV one day and da, 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 da. Yes. He's, saying he's talented, blah, blah. I don't know if he knew how to father, mm-hmm. how to be a parent because of the experiences that he may have had with his dad. Yes. You know, so it's like, even though this parent may not have done this, you know, now my dad is kind of picking up those behaviors. But I think, too, at the same time, he's, you know, it was one of those situations like, you know, either way, you still had men in your village Mm -hmm. that were functioning fathers, you know, no matter if they were divorced or not, that could have helped you become the father that you needed to be. Mm -hmm. And so you said that his parents were not divorced or they were? Right. They stayed married. They were, they were still together. So in divorce, like we see that a lot where in normal situations, there's like a divorce. And then the next generation is like, well, you know, that's what they model is because that's what they were shown. And we're human. So we model things that we see. That's how we eat. You know, when our parents try to teach us how to eat. They're like, they open their mouth too. So we're like, ah, you know, that's how, you know, and we learn those things at that small age. And so then whenever our parent is not there or just really doesn't know how to do that, I would say that my dad as well, you know, he came from a really poor family and it was a real hard life for both of my parents growing up. And so for them, you know, they had a lot of different challenges that was not really normal for their generation of parents because my parents are relatively young. And so it was very interesting for them to come from that level of poverty. And then poverty can make you be and see things in a different way. And then you behave in a different way. And so he really didn't have a dad at all. And because of that, you know, he was going off of something that he didn't really know how to model. And he did the best that he could, you know. And I think that in being put in a situation where it's just so much chaos and so much conflict, everyone just kind of tries to be like, what can I do to make it stop? You know, like, do I pull back? Do I just disengage? Do I just disappear? You know, what do I do to make it stop? None of us really make the best decisions whenever it's so contentious. That's why the big push is for it to be like divorce healthy. But it sounds like your mom was an amazing advocate of you and was there for you. And that's amazing because having one parent that is stabilized and one parent that, you know, you know that you have that's going to be in your corner, that's there for you. If you need them, they're going to be able to be there for you is really important in helping you to be able to feel like I can move forward. I can achieve my goals. I can do what I want to do. And so it seems like you have been doing very well in achieving your goals. You are on TV. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> so did your dad get to see you make it to TV? Unfortunately, he did oh, not. Well, he sees it now. I would say... To the capacity that I am now, where I'm on five days a week, he did not get the opportunity to see me do it full time. When I was back home in Roanoke, before he passed, I was working at a different station there. And, you know, I had my own segment that would air sometimes every week, sometimes every two weeks, things like that. So he would catch it then. But to what I'm doing now, not so much. I think he realized that life is moving. Yes, rapidly. 
yeah, life was moving rapidly. He didn't make it to my college graduation. And, you know, I think that was in a way in some hopes, hopefully some situations, you know, back then that was kind of a wake up call for him. Like, okay, now listen here, you've missed another important milestone in his life. You Mm -hmm. know, you can't keep doing that. So I did notice just a little bit more effort to try to spend time with me, not just necessarily talk on the phone or things like that, just that face to face. And even when I was in high school and middle school and things like that, like, you know, we would try to do those things. But it was something different about it once I graduated from college and moved back to Roanoke. I think in his later years of his life, it seemed to be a little bit more effort to see what's going on in my life, to ask me questions, to talk to me, you know, more than what he may have done before. Seems like he had had kind of a perspective change. So let me ask you this question. So right now we have a big push. So when you were young and when I was young, the standard was moms get primary custody, dads get secondary custody. That was the standard. That was the standard in most states. And then each state kind of gets to hold the power of that. And so now things are changing. Like Kentucky just passed shared parenting to where automatically parents kind of get 50-50 custody. They work it out after that. So if one parent is like a primary parent, then they're going to say, you know, oh, well, generally you've been with mom, so maintain that schedule, status quo or whatever. But the parents are seen as equals. They're not seen as one parent's not an equal or doesn't really have that much of a role anymore. Do you think that that would have changed if... I would say one thing that it taught me as once I got older and I was able to ask my mom questions and she felt more comfortable explaining certain things to me is that... Unfortunately, sometimes things in life, no matter what it may be, may not work out the way that you originally planned. Right. But what you have to do is when you make a commitment is you have to try, Mm -hmm. you know, you have to work towards it. And I would say that because I've only talked about it with my mother, at least I know that my mom tried, Mm -hmm. you know, she gave it all that she could. And unfortunately, it just didn't pan out the way that either of them probably imagined when they said I Mm -hmm. You know, but I would say in my situation, I think I don't want, hope I don't offend anyone when I say this. I think a lot of times when parents are, you know, have rough relationships with each other in their marriages, they tend to do the whole, we're going to stick it out for the kids. Mm -hmm. But I think in my situation, I am thankful that my parents did not do that. Oh, yeah. You know, had they stayed together for me, I think it would have just, it would have actually had a negative just probably traumatic outcome for me because they weren't happy. Right. In this situation, they had to make that decision for themselves. Mm -hmm. And I don't blame them. You know, I I think that's very responsible, very mature. Absolutely. In order to make the best decision for the children, you got to think of yourself. Yeah. You know, this is just coming from me as the child. I've never been married. I'm not married. I'm not divorced, anything like that. This is just coming from what I have seen and, I'm thankful that they did make that decision for them. They had to separate to find some level of peace in their life. Of course, later challenges came along when it came to just responsibilities after the divorce. But I think it was best that they ended up. So do you feel like they pretty amicably split up then? Do you know if your parents ever had to go to court? Like, did they ever actually have to? They they did did go to court. Okay. had to go to court, of course, to figure out some different things with custody, Mm -hmm. child support. I guess, you know, the traditional yeah. things and nothing necessarily like property and houses and things like that. My mom, she stayed in the house that we were in. I stayed in the house with her. My dad moved somewhere else. So, you know, living condition wise, it wasn't a change for me either. It was That's just good. getting adjusted to not having 
two parents in the household, even though no shade to anybody, no, no, no disrespect to my father. It kind of still felt like it was only one parent there. Mm-hmm. He was just kind of there. But yeah, I think in a lot of areas of my life, I think I would have benefited more having two active parents yes. working simultaneously together. Yes. Especially when it comes to just me being a young man, having a male role model. Mm-hmm. I think in a lot of ways, just learning things from a man directly. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, I have like, you know, adoptive uncles yes. and things like that that have really taken your village for, for them. Yeah, my village, but it would have definitely, I think it's something special when it's actually your birth parents or your adoptive guardians that are, you know, that are really giving that to you. So, you know, I think in a lot of areas of my life, I think it's so funny. I was telling, you know, our friend Maria Mm -hmm. about this, you know, I was like, I tend to do better with female authority Mm -hmm. than I do male authority. Just because I grew up with a woman leading the house, you know? With, you know, my mom was the head of the household, things like that. My grandmother ended up moving in with us. She played a big role in my life and my upbringing. Mm-hmm. So it's always been, you know, women that have really just taken me on their little wings. Yeah. My baby. Aaron, my like, baby. Sometimes when guys are, you know, in leadership positions, I'm just like, whoa, what is this? This is, you know, I'm a guy myself, but it's just kind of like, whoa, whoa, brother, you're. I'm not used to this energy and just, you know, it's just like, yeah. Cause it's so different, but it sounds like, it's I mean, different. so your grandma moved in. So you really had a support system. Then you had a lot of people there loving on you yeah. and taking care of you. And that's amazing because, you know, when children feel loved, they can really get through almost anything. And you had a lot of love going on. I can tell like the way you talk about your mom and your grandma that you loved them so much. And it sounds like you have a love, a lot of love and support from your family. I know that you're like, they're all going to be listening to me. And so that's amazing, though, because, you know, as being on TV, you know, not every conversation that you have is a comfortable one. And there are some things that you have to talk about just so that we can talk about it and kind of try to figure out, you know, what are the patterns and what are the similarities? And I think that, you know, as a child, whenever you just you do want to have those two people there. Right. Like so both of my parents kind of, you know, because of the situation of divorce and when people get divorced, generally, if they move on into new relationships, they get very distracted by those relationships and those new lives. And then the children kind of are like, they're in the balance, like what will happen, you know? And if they're attended to, then things are great. And if they're not, then things kind of go by the wayside. And, and so that was a lot of how things went for me. And it sounds like things were like, not like that for you. You still had your crew, you still had your garden and people were still taking care of you, which is amazing. So big props to your family for being able to kind of zoom in and protect, which is really important. And I think that one of the biggest lessons that we've learned out of all of this is that no matter whether children come from divorce homes or not, if they are loved, then they generally do pretty well. And so I think that you are a testament to that as well. And so when you hear like my message about divorce healthy and you think about just like, you know, with coronavirus and parents are like calling up the station trying to figure out like, what do we do about our, you know, like sharing our kids. And then you just like see like statistics, like, you know, that divorce is a $55 billion industry in America, mainly based on attorney's fees. And statistics like children out of divorce have a 30% increased rate of suicide. Like, do you feel like you can kind of just, as a your perspective of America and what you've seen about divorce from your friends and overall, does that make sense to you that those statistics would happen and that those people, that these are like things that are coming out of our country that we're seeing now? 
Oof, that's a that's a heavy question. <laughs> Oof. Okay, let's see. I don't even know where to start with that. Am I surprised at this, the divorce statistics? Correct. Mm-hmm. Is that what I'm saying? Gosh, I would say no. I'm not surprised at these divorce statistics. I would hope as society continues to change. Yes. I hope it does that people will open their minds more yes. in the sense that, of course, I think everyone, let's, let's put it like this, everyone views divorce differently based off of just life experiences like we're talking about. Sometimes some people look at it differently based off a religious stance. Yes. But I think just having a complete understanding for yourself that you're comfortable with will help you make these right decisions. But no, I'm not surprised by any of these divorce <laughs> statistics. I think Sometimes some people hop into situations because they feel like they have to based off of, you know, who told them they had to do this and had to do that. And they don't realize some of the the effort that it takes. And sometimes they don't realize that there could be potential casualties like we're talking about when it comes to the kids, mm-hmm. you know. So, no. <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know, that's what we're trying to get to is that chessboard perspective where people are looking down and seeing the game for what it is that this is a, you're electing to go into a family court process. You're taking a family, putting it in a family court process. Are we kind of surprised about these statistics? The overall impression is no, because we're taking two parents and putting them against each other. There's a big V in the middle. It's the same thing as a bo- if we were watching a national title boxing match. It looks the exact same way as it does on the pleading with two parents on either side of that V. And if we just think about that from a perspective of children and how children behave and how they understand and learn things from a very early age by mimicking and modeling then we understand that, you know, fast forward that and we're going to be dealing with these crazier statistics. One other statistic I was going to tell you about, and this one's not an awesome one either, but I was just going to get your response to it. So of the school shootings in America, like 87% of those children come out of child custody battles. What? Uh, for Wow. You, you said 80? 87%. 87%. Wow come out of child custody battles in single parent homes. And so what does that, I mean, does that surprise you? If I were to kind of put it in the perspective of, you know, we model things and we model conflict. And so children who are in very litigious, their parents are very litigious with each other and very bound up. And then they go to school and, you know, these are people that they're sitting with, little people that they're sitting with, and then they start to behave with them differently. But isn't that a very interesting statistic? Wow, I did not, I, don't, I think I'm speechless. I did not know that those things could correlate with each other. But at the same time, I think too, there's even statistics when it comes to school shootings that sometimes those who are who are doing the shootings have mental yes. health issues, whether it's depression or whatever it is. Absolutely. And a lot of times we don't know what those things are stemmed from, which could then make sense because if you're coming yes. from a household where things are kind of not, you know, right. Crazy, Wow. Yeah. That puts a whole new perspective on the phrase, ooh, hurt people hurt people, you know? They hurt people. Like there's hurt, there's someone feels hurt, and then they may not know how to deal with that hurt, so they just kind of lose control and then end up hurting other people in other different ways. Yes. Okay, then one more since I like okay. the, I think it's very, so this book, whenever I published this book, the whole point was people were like, wait, what? Because, but then it's like, but okay, like I can see that. I can see the understanding of how one could lead to the other. Okay, so children of divorced families are 200% more likely to get divorced if both people who are entering into the relationship are from divorced families. 200% more likely to get divorced. 
So if both of them are from divorced families, that's the. Oh, wow. Right. Wow. That makes sense, too. It does. Um, And I would say, too, that probably for me. Wow. Huh. That would make sense (laughs) because, oh, my gosh, both of my parents. Well, see, both of my parents were previously married to other people and divorced them as well. Then got together and then they got divorced. And, you know, here I am. So I think, you know, honestly, that would make sense as to why I've always been so hesitant. And this is me being transparent with people, mm-hmm. getting into relationships yes. meeting and things like that. Because I'm just like, ah, no, 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 no. Well, so that leads. And sometimes I go into these situations and I'm just like, and I always, and it's so sad too sometimes. It's like I look ahead mm-hmm. to the potential end of yes. it. Yes. Like, oh, just in case this doesn't work out. Well, people are like, no, Aaron, you can't think like that. Yes. Go into it with the hope that it's going to last. And treat it like it's going to last. But that makes so much sense. Wow, I got to write this down. Okay, so last one then that will actually correlate with what you're saying. We are now in the lowest marriage rate of all of recorded history in America, lower than the Great Depression and both world wars. That makes a whole bunch of sense. I think my generation, millennials. Yes. We, you're like, no, thank you. <laughs> That yeah. Well, I think we look at marriage differently. I think there was a time yes. when our, we were raised to, you know, they get older, they go to school, or go go workforce after high school, they get married, have kids, work, retire. I think my generation has seen like, no, I don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. And not saying that you know, not bashing marriage or anything like that. Like, no, not at all. But no one, I think, at least the millennials that I know and the and the studies that I've seen and the research that I you know looked at, we don't see marriage as a requirement no exactly marriage is a to me like i said i'm not married but i view it is a beautiful asset to your life but it's not i don't see something that's like you have to you know you you gotta you know get your degree get married go have kids exactly well because i think if you take the perspective that we have you know so we marriage started in 1969 reagan signed into effect no fault divorce off the back of the feminist movement in California, that moved across the West. And so then it created this massive level of filings, tidal wave, went across America of filings, took like two to three years for all of those divorces to finalize out, which created a lot of animosity. Divorce attorneys realized that they made a lot of money off of that two to three year process at the hourly rate that they can bill for that long. And then it never went back. So like we always had two to three year processes that were always contentious. Not because it tried to start that way, but just so many people filed at once, it created a backlog. And so if you look at the historical trend, like there's a map in my book and you can actually see the graph of the marriage rate and the divorce rate. And so as the divorce rate peaks, the marriage rate goes directly down. And that's because all of these generations of children are watching their parents not necessarily be very successful at this for a plethora of reasons, not any of them personal by any stretch of the imagination. Lord have mercy, I've been through a million breakups. And I've been divorced myself, so we are not in any glass houses, throwing any glass stones over here. But so all that happened. And so then if you take it from our perspective, we saw all these parents, as we were children, get divorced. It wasn't necessarily nice. Like, my parents didn't necessarily have the absolute worst divorce I've ever seen, especially in consideration of all of my clients now. But I had plenty of friends where I would be at, like, their house for a sleepover And like, it's so toxic in the house, you can like cut it with scissors, you know, or 
even in my own experiences, my friends are over for a sleepover and my parents are so toxic that my friends want to go home, you know, like I can remember even those things. So those are even, you know, little signals to our brains as we're growing and developing our sense of marriage. And now here we are, this millennial generation. And a lot of things that they say are that it's too risky, that they don't feel like they would be able to do it well because they didn't have a good model. And they feel like it's too expensive. And so... I'm too far from the things that I've heard too, yeah. Yeah. Right. And so... What do you think about that? So I don't think that obviously you have to get married to be happy. I don't believe that. I do feel like good relationships are important to our happiness, but marriage in general has changed in a million different ways. And so it's not necessarily anything about marriage or about divorce because divorce is a breakup, you know, like people break up. We're humans. We should be allowed to do that. I think it really boils down to Aaron and see if you think that this makes sense. Respect. So Do you think that respect and love, I feel like maybe there's not been necessarily a huge model in the marriage world of that and that that has had an effect on us just generally feeling like whether we would want to engage in that process. And then just from the level of financial output, like I think everybody understands if you say divorce, that that means dollar signs. And so do you feel like those are kind of the things that you think about or that you think people of the millennial generation think about? Yeah, money. I think the money is the big factor. I think some people in my generation see it as like a, it's just like you said, it's it's the money thing. It's just like, oh, I got to, you know, one, get married. Like, oh, the wedding's going to cost a lot of money. And it's like, okay, Mm -hmm. people see it. I think a lot of younger people, some younger people sometimes got to use that wording so that, you know, people don't attribute this to me. It's not everybody, yeah, some obviously. Sometimes see marriage as a one initial financial investment because of these weddings, you know, because of the weddings. And it's like, okay, I just spent all this money on this fancy day, you know, or fancy weekend or whatever. It's like, this better work. You know, this is the initial <laughs> one. It's a lot of pressure, lot of right? Pressure. And then it's like, okay, so now we want to have kids. Okay, these kids better turn out all right. You know, because like, okay, we now we're in the next step. So I think a lot of people, you can see there's a lot of investments, both emotionally, financially, just time-wise, that they just hope works mm-hmm. out. 50-50 shot. Yeah, it's like, you know, here, I'm going to shoot this basket. It's either going to hit it. It's either not going to hit it. Yeah. Hopefully I get a second chance. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. So your perspective of all this and just like getting your reaction to the statistics has really meant a lot for me. I'm glad that you didn't read the book ahead of time. So that's awesome that you weren't like pre-prepared for what those statistics were. Yeah, no, you didn't study. That's awesome. Which I wouldn't, I would want, you know, I'm so glad that you were able to be like, oh my gosh, but then, okay. Because I feel like, you know, that is generally when I speak and when I have all of these circuits, that's what people say. And then they come up and they're like, where were you for my parents' divorce? Where were you for my divorce? Or now this makes so much sense for me. Or I totally feel that way about marriage now. I didn't really know that I was maybe having a, a different view of marriage because of the culture of divorce in America. And it's not even your own parents' divorce. And I want to make that really clear. What we are affected by as millennials is the culture of divorce that has been created in America. So, you know, family court has its own system. And it's been that way for a while. And that has had its own effect. And so it's like an effect. It's not necessarily a directed effect from your own parents, but just the culture of divorce in America. And so we're reacting to our environment, essentially, as younger people who are coming and making those decisions, whether we're going to get married or not. 
And I think that that perspective has been great. I would say too, you know, to kind of, I guess, put a disclaimer, I, you know, I would say, I don't know too many people that want to get divorced. You know, like, you know, I, I right. think that's why too, just some things that I've seen, things like that. I think that's why people resist it. You know, that's why they, they mm-hmm. strain themselves to try to make it work and things like that. Because I don't think anyone, like you said, no one wants to go through that system, that court system to, you know, figure out what to do with the house or the kids or the this and the that. And it's like, it's uncomfortable, it's, it's uncomfortable. And it, and I think people know, know, they know it can get nasty. So I think that's why sometimes people just avoid the whole marriage in general, because they don't want to have to make that decision if things don't work out. I 100% agree. And I think that you know, just the fact that we can all just know that is really my purpose on this planet is just to say, let me pull back the curtain. You know, it's not natural to go ahead and think through that suicide and school shootings and divorce and all these things could be correlated. But it is important for us to know because this is a historical perspective of what's happened in our country. You know, we want to know what trends there are and what's happened so that we can think for the future because history always repeats itself. We always know that. And we want to try to make things better. And I think that the thing that you said that I'm going to highlight the most is that hurt people hurt people. And we want to break that cycle because these children can go on to have like great lives that we just need to all understand what we're getting ourselves into and what's happened in the world. Kind of bounce off that point too. I think that's why my mom made sure that I had that village. So that it would not be a cycle, you know, something, you know, hurt or divorce or whatever it may be, wouldn't become cyclical. Yay, mom! Yeah, so she really, you know, worked hard to make sure that I just had positive role models, people that I could talk to if I felt different ways about things just throughout my whole life, just so that, you know, certain patterns won't, you know, plant themselves inside of me. She really tried to provide good seeds in my life and make sure there were people who were pouring into me positivity and things like that. So that that's amazing. I get older when I decide to date or whatever it may be that I'm not, you know, reacting to this or I'm, you know, I'm actually trying, I'm conscious of the things that I'm saying or doing. So, yeah. And she did a great job of it because you're, I mean, most children of divorce don't have as smooth of a response about your you know, your childhood to you, you really still had a very loving childhood. You had a stabilized childhood. You had your mom, you had your grandma, you had your village. Like you're very, your response is very calm and stabilized about that. Most children, it's definitely not that effect. So she did an amazing job in saying, Hey, I think, you know, I can see this culture for what it is. I don't want my son to have negative effects from it. So I'm going to make sure and positivity fixes everything. So Dumping positivity and pushing positivity is amazing. And that must be why you're such an awesome, positive light of a person. I try. You try. Well, you do it well. But I always just think. Yes, we're all a work in progress. I always try to just. I just try. That's the best what I. And I I hope my life, you know, I sound so old. I hope my life shows, you know. But I I do. I just (laughs) have experiences that I have, you know, even hopefully someone listening to this. I want people to know that no matter what hand you're dealt, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's voluntary or involuntarily, that you can still make it to a finish line and, and win. You're still going to be a hundred percent. Yes. That's why I like conversations like this is because that helps people know that, okay, yeah. Okay, great. I'm a child of divorce or my parents got divorced or my family's going through a divorce, but here's, you know, Aaron and Ashley Nicole who 
have power through because of X, Y, yes. and Z, and they're winning, I can win too, you know? Yes! Oh, I love that, Aaron. That's so amazing. I really appreciate it. I appreciate it. It's, it's been a great time, and I'm, I've enjoyed this time with you. Awesome. And where can people find you? Oh, my gosh. Everywhere. No. Um, <laughs> if you li- All I will say is, if you live in eastern North Carolina, just make sure you check your local news stations. But also, you can catch me on social media. Mm-hmm. My social media handles are TV underscore Dean, D-E-A-N-E. So TV underscore Dean on Instagram and Twitter. Those Dean are- with an E. Yes. Dean with an E. <laughs> Don't mess that up. Um, but yeah, I'm all over social media. And um, yeah, I'd love to connect with everyone who's listening. And let's chat it up. Send me some story ideas. Uh, you know, let's Let's connect. Awesome. Thanks so much. And you guys, we will see you back on Divorce Healthy next time. We'll have a whole bunch more guests. And I'll be chatting with you as well just to answer some of the questions that you guys have had. There have been some great questions coming in. So keep sending those to us because we want to help, again, help you divorce healthy, pull back the veil just so that you can kind of see the reality of the situation that you're in. Not that it's horrific or the worst thing that anyone's ever been in, but just so that you can just understand because really that'll just help you get there at the end of the day to wherever it is that you're heading off in the future, which is what we're trying to get to that plotted point. So make those goals. And we'll be right back with you on the next one. Thanks, guys. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Divorce Healthy, your guide to mastering conflict resolution at home and in the workplace. To inquire about speaking engagements, purchase your copy of Ashley Nicole's book, The Cure for Divorce Culture, or to schedule your private orientation meeting, head to www.anrlaw.com. You can also find us on social media at ANR Law. Find a better way forward right here on Divorce Healthy.